evening, everyone, and thank you for coming back and joining me tonight on Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and on tonight's show, we're going to spend the next hour hearing some amazingly inspirational stories, plus we'll give you all the information you need to know about whether you're fit properly for your clubs and how to get fit properly for your clubs, and uh, we're going to do that with my first all, my first guest tonight is Rich O'Brien. Rich is a certified adaptive golf instructor. He works specifically with disabled players. Rich was involved in a horrific accident being thrown from a golf cart when he was caddying. We'll hear that story. We'll also talk about the work he's doing with our wounded veterans, teaching them the game, plus using golf as a form of therapy for his students. He's also co-authored a book titled Half Paralyzed, Twice Strong. So a lot to get into with Rich, and he's going to join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'll get a return visit from one of the top club club fitters anywhere in the business, and that's Scott Felix. You can check Scott out online at felixclubworks.com. Scott and I, we're going to revisit the conversation about why it's so important for high handicap players to get properly fit for their golf clubs, more important than even the tour pros to be fit properly. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the data points that we hear so much about now, right? I, you know, we got so much data involved in your golf swing. We'll talk about things like smash factor, what that is. We'll talk about swing speeds and the target speed you should have for your driver. Plus, you know, the irons as well, right? We hear a lot about driver swing speed. What about the other clubs? We'll talk about that and, uh, you know, how to know if you have the right shaft in your golf clubs. We'll talk about all that and a whole lot more when Scott joins me about 25 minutes from now. So more great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me over the next hour. And as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our friend Steve Rondinero about all the great things they have coming up this fall. Fall golf is gorgeous at French Lick Resort. Perched on one of the highest points in Indiana, the Pete Dye course hosted the first ever senior LPGA championship this summer. Ask the ladies, the views are spectacular. The venerable Donald Ross course is looking better than ever as it celebrates its centennial. Go to FrenchLick.com and save with our Hall of Fame package. Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort this fall. Yeah, folks, be sure to go to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself how great a place it is and to book your stay as well. And, folks, you know, have you heard about Clubhub? Have you heard me talking about that over the last couple of months? If you haven't, Listen up and get ready to discover the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there on the market. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. Clubhub tells you what happened and why. Take the, you know, the progress that you make on the practice tee directly out to your round with the only device of its kind that you know can go on the course with you. I have club hub sensors on all of my golf clubs. They screw right into the top of your grips and you know I can tell you I've learned more about my swing and the data elements, you know, over the last couple of months than you know, you know, than I have you know learned over the last forty years of playing the game of golf. But before you go out and buy your own set, our friends at Kinetic Sports have a special limited time discount for our listeners. Now for the entire month of October you can you know get any Club Hub product for twenty five percent off by entering next N E X T you know on their site and you're gonna get Club Hub stellar products for a very low price. Head to clubhubgolf.com. That's clubhubgolf.com to get your Club Hub sensors today, and you're going to see your game in a whole new way. 
We're also excited here on Next on the T to be partnering with the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. The Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company, they're back, right, with the, you know, with the same great equipment that you know and love without the retail markup that you hate. Now you can buy premium Ben Hogan irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, and bags directly from the factory at prices your wallet's going to appreciate. Visit them online at BenHoganGolf.com or order on the phone by calling them at 844-53-HOGAN. That's 844 844- 53 Hogan. Plus, also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. Their new fall collection is out. It's time to update your wardrobe with enduring style from the Bobby Jones Apparel Company. See it all online, again, by going to bobbyjones.com. And as you know, we have been partnering with Russ Holden and the wonderful folks at Caddy for a Cure this year. And one of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is available to you through Caddy for a Cure. Spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service members and Fancona Anemia. You're going to get to walk side-by-side with your tour player experiencing professional golf as an insider. In addition to this amazing experience, you're going to get a fantastic gift package from Caddy for Your Cure, which includes Under Armour logo apparel and an eyewear package, a tour-grade caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a tin-cup ball-marking gift, Chef's Cut Real Jerky, and professional photographs of your day. Go online to caddyforacure.com to learn more. All right, now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Rich O'Brien. Let me give you a little more background on Rich. He attended the University of Miami back from, in 19, from 1984 to 1988 and would later go back and be a volunteer assistant coach on their golf team. While he was there, he was an executive secretary of the TaylorMade National Invitational Golf Tournament and founder of their golf club. He graduated with his BA degree in sports psychology, went on to get his master's in sports management and marketing at Barry University, and became the head coach of their golf team. After graduating from Barry, he was a regional marketing director for Kemper Sports Management and director, uh, membership director for Pine Forest Country Club. He spent the last 30-plus years as a mental performance coach. Back in 2015, he, he's been, you know, since 2015, I should say, he's been a part of the PGA HOPE program, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, assisting our wounded veterans and helping teaching them the game. He's also been a senior writer for Long Drive Golf Magazine and the Charleston Golf News. He's co-authored a book titled Half Paralyzed, Twice Strong, and I'm honored that he is with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Rich, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Great deal to have the opportunity to be on the show there and uh, to speak to your audience that way. I appreciate it, Rich. So, Rich, let's start by going back to your time at the University of Miami. Talk about the golf club you started there and being a volunteer assistant coach of the golf team. Well, you know, uh, I was from Syracuse, New York originally, and I went down to the University of Miami and, and walked onto the team that way there, the culture shock and a, a climate change and, and, and working through from, from a standpoint that way, going from bank grass greens to Bermuda greens on that one there. So it was very interesting, you know, improving my game over that time period, studying sports psychology, having the opportunity to be around some, you know, some All-Americans like a Woody Austin, a Scott Gump, uh, a Ronnie McCann and a Tommy Hearn at that time. And, um, you know, being – um, in sport management myself as well as, as the sports psych side of it there. You know, I, I assisted the, the golf coaches there, Chuck Winship uh, at one time, as well as uh, uh, Norm Parsons, who are the two Hall of Fame coaches at the time. So uh, they taught me how to be a, a college golf coach and how to recruit 
and how to run tournaments that way. So that that was a real uh, great time at, at Miami as well with all the football teams and all the sport teams being uh, top-notch as well. And I had the opportunity to teach uh, Vinny Testaverde how to play golf as well. On that. Wow. And, uh, and that was very, very interesting on that aspect. I actually taught a couple Heisman Trophy winners uh, during that time period. And uh, uh, great memories from that time period. And, and one of the things that was missing at the University of Miami at the time, you know, a great, you know, location for golf. You know, we had we started a uh, golf team uh, from that standpoint, a golf club uh, for those players that weren't quite good enough to make the college team, but wanted to still have competition. And, you know, it's sort of like next generation golf and some of the things that are sweeping campuses. Now we had it back, you know, 25 years ago uh, at Miami and this, the program's still going pretty strong. So uh, it's great to see from that aspect. And when you left Miami, you, you go on to get your master's degree at Barry university. So talk about that. Was, was the decision to go to Barry you know, separate from becoming their golf coach, which we, which you would do, were those two things mutually exclusive, or did they sort of come yeah. together at the same time? You know, when when you're a college golf coach, you know, you, you get you know graduate tuition paid, graduate school tuition paid for. You know, that was one of the extra benefits and perks uh, of being uh, a coach at the university, an employee of the university. So they, they went hand in hand from that that standpoint, and then we had a have a great program in sport management and uh and an MBA dual degree uh from that standpoint at Barry so uh that that was a, a tremendous program uh to go through and and you know while I was at Barry we we started a, a fundraising golf tournament known as the Ryder Benjamin Memorial Fundraiser which has raised you know uh millions of dollars really for that program to endow scholarships for the men's and women's golf team laid the foundation for the golf teams at Barry you know, took it from basically the worst team in uh, the Sunshine State Conference, which is the best conference in Division uh, Two, to being a very competitive second or third place team in the conference. Uh, worked through that and uh, uh, got the budgets fully funded. Took took the team to the next level. Uh, and then when I left Barry University, you know, I I left it in good hands and Coach Jimmy Stobbs is uh, now probably the best coach in division two he's a hall of fame coach now as well and and coach Stobbs uh, has coached Barry to three national championships for the men then the women's team uh was once coached by patty rizzo she's gone on to the university of miami but the women's team uh has now won a national championship last this last year and, and one of the goals i had at Barry was to take it to the next level as i said uh and i saw uh Barry being the best program in division two and and Thankfully, that has become that. Uh, it was a long-term vision. I didn't quite get to get it done myself, but uh, put the things in place to help move it along that way. So uh, that that was a, a great period of my life as well, uh, and uh, had the opportunity to coach some some uh, professional golfers as well. A couple of LPGA Tour players working with them on the short game and working with the sports psych elemental aspects as well. Uh, and, and developed some players that moved, went on to, to play professionally. Didn't quite make the PGA Tour, but they played mini tours for, for a while and tried to go through Q School. But uh, um, it showed that I think a lot of the things we had from a sports psych standpoint and coaching worked very well. And, Rich, you and uh, John Cusano from uh, Florida International University, you guys formed the Florida College 
golf tour back in the 90s. Talk about what that tour was and why you guys decided to put that together. Yeah, you know, during during the Florida College Golf Tour, you know, at at the time, you know, during the summertime, it was a developmental tour. It was it was for college players to have something to play in locally during the summertime, as well as rising freshmen, you know, graduated high school seniors that are going to be moving on to college golf. And we wound up having a lot of, uh, you know, really good players play that tour. We we wound up having Steve Scott played in some events down there and down there just before uh, he lost to Tiger Woods in the U.S. Amateur. Two weeks before that, he was playing in one of our tournaments. Uh, we, we wound up having, you know, about 35 to 40 players getting together on a weekly basis during the two months of the summertime where they were out of school. And, and that gave them a lot of experience. Uh, and Coach Cassano, great guy, FIU, uh, one of my good friends and, and his daughter was playing on the LPGA Tour. His son-in-law was caddying for an LPGA Tour player. You know, I would talk to John quite a bit and uh, some of the different things I had developed from a sports psych and, and a short game testing stuff they really loved. So we had the opportunity to consult with them and, and work with that. And John, John was a hall, uh, was a PGA tour player, uh, at that, at one point as well. He was a, a PGA member for 50 some odd years, uh, on that and, and, uh, obviously, uh, really was a great coach and a great guy. And he actually got to, uh, coach the, the the cast from Caddyshack and teach them how to play golf too. So that Is was that really right? interesting. So, yeah, he he was Chevy Chase's swing swing coach during that whole time and the swing double. So a lot of swings that that were for Chevy Chase in that movie that actually were uh, good ones were John Cassano swinging in Chevy's place. Wow, so it, was, it was really interesting. But uh, he told me quite a bit on that. And uh, one of our players at Miami. Uh, J.J. Selke, his dad, Randy, was the general manager of Rolling Hills and signed the contract to blow up the golf course when they wanted to renovate it. So there's another <laughs> story, whole story that goes along with that. So a lot of inside wow. stuff on Caddy Shack. So uh, uh, a lot of fun on that one there. But John, John was always a great guy to be around uh, and, and very knowledgeable. And, uh, you know, our teams, Barry University and, and FIU, we – we would compete against each other all the time, and we were we would be at the same home home course, so we'd have a lot of matches against each other, uh, just to keep the guys competitive, and uh, it was a lot of fun uh, working from that standpoint for them. And Rich, as we talk, uh, you know, about a lot of the great work that you're doing now, it really all sort of starts with a with a terrible story, a, a golf cart accident that you were involved with when you were a caddy out at Kauai Island Resort. Do you mind sharing that story? Yeah, well, I, I, I share it all the time from that standpoint. I was down at Kiwa Island Club, the private club on the island right next to the resort, and it's got the second highest point in Charleston. You think of the low country as not having a lot of hills, where there's two big hills. The first one is at, at uh, uh, Bulls Bay Golf Club, which is about 100 feet high, and the other one is down at Kashyyyk on the third hole, known as Mount Watson. That's about 80, 85 feet high. And, and we were that day was raining. We were coming in from the third green there, and we had to go over Mount Watson, which is, as I said, about an 85-foot elevation change. And it's a like a double S-turn switchback down the slope, like a roller coaster, uh, you could say. And as we were going down this slope in the rain, as it turned hard left at the bottom, I was ejected from the golf cart. 
as I was ejected from the golf cart, uh, apparently I threw my shoulder underneath uh, to brace my fall, and I hit a two-inch curb at the corner of the cart path. My head and neck snapped back. I had uh, skull fractures. I had four spinal fractures, C1, C2, L4, L5, um, wound up uh, stopping breathing, uh, turning purple, swallowing my tongue, having a stroke and an aneurysm at the same time with my, my brain bleeds. Uh, they didn't really expect me to, to make it to the hospital, but, but somehow I hung on. Uh, woke up, I was paralyzed from the neck down in the hospital bed. Uh, luckily for me, that was a bruised spinal cord, so eventually I was able to move my fingers and toes again. But during my coma, I lost 32 pounds in about, in, over that time period and had to learn how to walk and talk again. And uh, uh, all told, it, it took uh, uh, a year before I was able to, to lift my arm sufficiently because my shoulder was completely frozen after the shoulder had to be reconstructed. Uh, it took me a year to be able to swing a club. I set two goals on my deathbed. The first one was to walk a thousand miles in the journey of recovery because a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step and mine was after being paralyzed. And the second one, I was going to play golf again. I didn't care how much rehab it took. I didn't care how long it took. I wanted to get my quote unquote golf therapy at that point because golf had always been my therapy, my benchmark on my well-being, my passion. Uh, from that extent. So, you know, on the one-year anniversary of my accident, I got to play nine holes of golf with my pastor, finished at the exact moment of my death the year before. And uh, we said a wonderful prayer at that point uh, on the back of that ninth green. And somehow, I, you know, I swang at about 50% that day and I shot 37. I was two over par. Still don't know how wow. I did that. But, you know, I couldn't even swing a club the week before, but they had ripped out the scar tissue in my right shoulder. It was the worst frozen shoulder in the history of the low country. <laughs> it was what the physical therapist said. But uh, over the course of uh, four years, I did 12,000 hours of rehab or physical therapy, exercise, work there, overcame my post-traumatic stress. I alleviated that with golf therapy, with acupuncture, uh, with a few other different things we worked through on that one there, extreme exercise. Uh, and then acupuncture also helped me with my chronic inflammation, my chronic fatigue, my chronic sleep disorder, my epilepsy, my addiction to pain meds as well. So uh, I went through everything you could ever want, basically earned a, a, a PhD in pain. Uh, you know, you do 10,000 hours of something, you become an expert of it. Well, I did about 12,000 hours of, of rehab and, uh, what I learned on my long road to recovery, I've been able to teach veterans and others that have injuries, illnesses, and challenges, and that's where our golf therapy movement came from. So uh, that was interesting. And then I started, you know, then one of our church members who was paralyzed on the left side of his body he asked me the question one day, do you think you could teach me how to play golf? And that, that was Fred Gutierrez, who was my co-author of the book, Half Paralyzed, Twice Strong, and, you know, what we were able to help Fred do has been absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, he wound up being able to walk 36 holes and shoot in the 80s six months after he asked me if I could teach him how to play. When he first started, he could walk two holes and was shooting over 200. So wow. uh, for somebody to improve 115 shots 
and, and multiply how far their stamina is by 18 times and walk four miles despite being paralyzed top of his head, bottom of his foot on his left side with left hemiplegia. It was absolutely unreal. You know, it was it was amazing to watch, inspiring to watch. Uh, and Golf Channel picked up our story. They covered our story. And then the PGA Reach Foundation saw our story, and they asked the two of us to champion PGA Hope Charleston. And that's where everything started with that side of it. Um, you know, Charleston, after, you know, we, we set up a, a good blueprint for what we wanted to do in town. We had some great partners in the PGA professionals we worked with uh, on that. And uh, over the course of time, we started with four veterans in our program. We we expanded out to 19 the second time. The second year, we had 33, went to a second golf course. Then we had 60, expanded to a third golf course, expanded to 90, expanded to a fourth golf course in the different areas of Charleston. And worked through, and uh, this past June, um, we were featured by the CBS by CBS Sports for the Road to the PGA Championship there, or the PGA Championship preview. And uh, we are the model program for all of the PGA programs across PGA Hope programs across the country. And now there are 80 programs, and it's 80 different golf facilities across the country hosting it. And most of them have called either myself or Perry Green, our lead instructor, on how to get started. So it's been an interesting thing to be the largest program and the model program for uh, the golf therapy program that the PGA uh, has to help veterans with injuries, illnesses, and challenges. So it's been interesting to see where it started with me getting up out of my deathbed and able to inspire a veteran and then together be able to, to really help a lot of veterans on that aspect. So uh, let's go back to that story, Rich. Talk about how mm-hmm. you know. To your to your point, you take you know a, a veteran who can you know walk just a little distance, and he's shooting over two hundred. Mm-hmm. And then before mm-hmm. you know it, he's shooting in the eighties. How did you get him right. from where he was to where he ended up? Well, you know, when he first started out, he he wanted to learn with such a passion. He watched as much Golf Channel as he could, and, and watched all instruction stuff. And he also was reading as much uh, material in golf magazines. So somehow he wound up with 37 swing thoughts in his head. And these guys paralyzed the left side of his body on there. And as, with my sports psych background, background the first thing I, I told him, if you want to get good at golf, Fred, you're going to have one swing thought. And this is the most spiritual man you're ever going to meet in your life on here. So immediately he said, for the glory of God. That's why he was playing golf. That's why he wanted to learn how to play golf. And, and, and it was like, wow, that told me exactly why I was playing. And then a few seconds later, I go hands high for the glory of God. Right. So I added a, a functional swing thought to his element there. This man, the first time we played uh, golf, you know, he, he shot 60, he had gotten some tips before that, but he shot 64, on the front side, right? And then on the back side, after just getting that one swing thought, he shot 48. His oh, my. Pre-shot, his pre-shot routine went from one minute a shot with 37 swing thoughts to it went to 10.52 seconds. So he cut 50 seconds, basically, off of every shot. We played the back side a complete hour faster than the front. 
He shot 16 strokes better on the backside, 32 strokes better over 18 holes like that with a swing thought change. Now, the second thing I told him, right, as a, as a sports site guy with a, with a short game background, I said, if you want to get good at golf, we need to focus 90% of our practice time on our short game. So I started him working on his short game. I had my, my short game test I used with my college players, with the LPGA Tour players as well, and making 103 foot putts in a row. This man practiced his short game for an hour a day for 600 straight days eventually, but he did it, did it during that time period, and he quickly improved another 11 to 12 shots on there. Uh, Fred is, is, was blind in his left eye because of the hemiplegia. So we turned him to face on putting where he could look straight down the line using his right hand to feel like he's tossing it underneath. And Dr. David Cook is a friend. Uh, and, and the movie Seven Days in Utopia was a great starting spot. So this is, this is you know, he's doing that. And he virtually eliminated three putts at that point. So he improved more. And then I taught him sports psychology and took him through the Bob Rotella CDs and audio books, and we talked about that. And, and it was like it, all these things were going on in like a two- to three-month period of time. And he literally improved from, as I said, he started off, he was shooting these huge numbers. We got him down down to something a little more manageable. Then all of a sudden he's breaking 100. And his goal was to shoot in the 80s and, and walk 36 holes. Well, you know, six months Almost to the day, he shot his first round under 90. And then a few days, the next week, we had the golf marathon, uh, and he walked 36 holes, shot 85, 95. The 85 was his career round by four shots, literally, with all the wow. media there covering it. It was, it was like it was surreal to watch. And as a coach, watching your student absorb every lesson that you had and do that. That was the amazing thing. But part of the story with Fred as well was the Botox injections he got to help relieve his spasticity in his left side, which was a huge thing from a pain management standpoint. The acupuncture he got to help him with his PTSD, the scalp acupuncture, which helped him reboot his central nervous system, where he actually got a little bit of voluntary movement back in his left side after 17 years. You know, so all these things happened in less than six months. So we had to write the book about it. <laughs> you know, that's that telling that story was such a joy, but it was just amazing to watch him describe it all. And uh, no doubt. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's interesting, Rich, as you talk about your story and his story, one of the central themes between the two seems to be acupuncture. Talk about the role is. acupuncture has played for both of you and your recoveries. Well, you know, for me, you know, I had I had seven conditions that my doctors really couldn't do much about. Chronic pain, chronic inflammation, chronic fatigue, chronic sleep disorder. I, I had a delta wave issue like epilepsy. Uh, I, I, had, I was addicted to pain meds and, of course, my post-traumatic stress. And when I started, my, my sister-in-law worked for the Surgeon General. She said, she saw me at Christmas time and said, you have to go to acupuncture. They, had, they were using it in the, in the field for pain management. They were using it for PTSD. I, luckily, we had an acupuncturist that just opened up here in Somerville. I went, and over the course of a couple months, those conditions started to melt away. 
you know, I, I, my pain wasn't quite as bad. I could sleep a little bit as a result of it because it rebooted my sleep cycle. Uh, my PTSD was alleviated every every couple every week by going in there. The negative energy drained out. My pain didn't seem as bad. The inflammation eventually went away. Now I was left with post-traumatic stress as well as an addiction to pain meds. And it took me a while to overcome. Even though the pain was not there anymore, it took me six months to overcome the psychological addiction to my my pain pain meds that I was taking. And then Fred was watching that. He saw that happen. And and when he um, when he needed help, when he needed to relieve his pain, when he needed something, I we, I went. I took him to our acupuncturist here in Charleston, in Somerville, excuse me. And and you know it re- helped alleviate some of his post traumatic stress. It helped him sleep better than he ever did. Then she started scalp acupuncture, and and I was sitting next to Fred when she stuck the needles in and asked him to move his left arm that he hadn't moved in 17 years, right? And, and she, you know, first time it didn't go anywhere. Second time she asked him again, and all of a sudden his hand went up above his shoulder. I was just, my jaw dropped, right? Then, then she did the same thing for his leg. Try to move your left leg. So she reset the needles there. All of a sudden his left leg lifts up eight to 10 inches off the ground. And that was four and a half years ago. He still has voluntary movement in his left arm and his left leg, and his left hip now a little bit too. You know, so that that was absolutely unreal to watch that. And Fred and I have become some of the biggest proponents for acupuncture everywhere because it literally saved both of our lives and dramatically wow. improved the quality of our lives. So with our veterans programs, we tell them to make sure that they know that. You know, the acupuncture is great, especially for post-traumatic stress, because PTSD is the biggest problem that we face in all the golf therapy programs for PGA Hope and all the other golf therapy programs. First responders as well have post-traumatic stress, and, and they they benefit a great deal from having a six-needle treatment that goes in your knee, in your ears. You can sleep for an hour, take a nice nap, and then that night you can sleep better than you've slept since you had post-traumatic stress. The nightmares and flashbacks aren't quite as bad. In golf therapy terms, we tell, talk about trading nightmares and flashbacks for golf dreams and new friendships. And we've seen that happen hundreds of times in our program where they no longer have the nightmares. They're dreaming about their golf round with their new friends and their fellow veterans. It's just been a wonderful thing to watch. That's, a, that's absolutely amazing, Rich. Mm-hmm. Let let our listeners know, and you know, I, I I got hundreds of more questions that I wanted to get to tonight. Unfortunately, we just don't have enough time. But I hope you'll come back and join me again so we can talk more about these things. But let our listeners Certainly. know how can they find out more information, you know, about you know the things that you're doing, the programs that you have, and also follow mm-hmm. you on social media and stay up to date with all those great things. Yeah, well, I, I have a very huge. Footprint in social media, it's, it's Rich O'Brien Golf is what many of the ones are for LinkedIn, for Twitter, and, and, and uh, Instagram, uh, large followings on that. My, my Facebook groups that I have are, are Grow the, Golf's Grow the Game as well as Golf Therapy, Using Golf to Overcome Injuries, Illnesses, and Challenges. There are 47 adaptive golf groups on there and about 7,500 people on there, many golf professionals, many adaptive golf groups on there. But uh, 
they can they can follow follow me that way on social media. Uh, our website, you know, we we don't quite have one for PGA Hope Charleston yet, but there's one for PGA Reach uh, that works there that you can look through on that. And then the Stand Up and Play Foundation is our other side of it with the paramobiles that we use that can train change change the trajectory of a paralyzed veteran or a mobility challenged veteran's life where they can actually stand up and play golf, shoot a gun, look somebody in the eye. Very huge thing from a confidence standpoint. But stand up and play low country chapter, we have a, a website for that as well. But uh, I'm happy to come back and answer as many questions as you may have uh, on that. Is, uh, it's just been an amazing journey the last nine years. I just celebrated nine years myself of coming up off my deathbed uh so uh it's great to see where it's going yeah it's it's amazing to hear the stories and the successes that you've had and all of that sort of thing i want to get into more of those stories and and more of the great things yeah. that you're doing with the para long drive contest and all those sorts of things so rich i can't yeah. thank you enough for for your time tonight and being a part of the show like i say hopefully we get the uh, privilege of having you back on again real soon because you're doing amazing things well, thanks. And and one of our, our veterans in our program was a firefighter as well from Indiana in South Bend. So uh, uh, he's one of our big success stories and one of the one of the uh, great leaders now in our adaptive golf movement. So that would be fun to talk about Josh on that one there. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll look forward to having you back on, on the show again real soon, Rich. Thanks for your time tonight. In between now and then, all the best to you and your family. And the great thank you again for the great things you're doing. Happy to. Thank you. Look forward to next time. All right, Rich. Thank you so much. That's Rich O'Brien. And again, what, what an amazing, you know, story, what an amazing thing, you know, that he is doing, you know, for his students and, and for, you know, folks that are, you know, dealing with all kinds of different issues, paralysis and, and PTSD and, and those sorts of things. A lot to get back into with Rich. We look forward to getting him, like I said, getting him back on the show again real soon. Before I get to my next guest, Scott Felix, I want to give a shout out again to a few of our sponsors. And first, I want to remind you about our friends over at SyncIt.com. Folks, you know how we like to keep things on the positive side here on Next on the Tee and have a positive approach both in life and out on the golf course. Well, we're excited to be partnering with the folks at SyncIt.com. Keep putting that positive thought of sinking the putt in your mind with their great line of T-shirts and hats. To win any golf tournament, you got to sink the final putt. We wake up every day to finish strong, sink the putt, close the deal, work hard, get better each and every day. Have the confidence to push forward towards your dreams with unwavering passion, like we just heard with Rich, right? And you're going to sink it in life. Check them out online at sinkit.com. And folks, have you heard me talking about Clubhub sensors, right? You've heard me at the top of the show, and I hope you've heard me for the last several weeks talking about Clubhub sensors. And if you haven't, listen up and get ready to discover the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there on the market. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. Clubhub tells you what happened and why. You know, take the progress that you make on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that, you know, is going to help you out on the golf course. 
I have club hub sensors on my clubs. They screw right into the top of your grips. And I can tell you, I've learned more about my swing and the data elements that you, know, you, you could ever want by putting the club hub sensors on my golf clubs. I've learned more you know, in the last couple of weeks than I've learned in the 40 years I've been playing the game of golf. But before you go out and buy your own set from our friends at you know, Kinetic Sports, they have a limited time special offer and discount for our listeners. Now, for the entire month of October, you can get any Club Hub product for 25% off by entering NEXT, XT, you know, on their site you know, to get your Club Hub sensors for a stellar low price. Head to clubhubgolf.com. Again, clubhubgolf.com to get your Club Hub sensors today, and you're going to see your game in a whole new way. also want to remind you about our friends over at Power Bar. Energy and focus on the golf club, on the golf course is essential. Whether you're playing, you know, whether you're on tour, playing in a club championship, or just your weekend four ball with your buddies, Par Bar, the golfer's nutritional bar, can help you with both energy and focus. Eat some before you get to the first tee, and the rest every three holes until it's finished, and you're going to play with more energy and focus to win whatever you're playing. Right? Again, in a club hub cha- or in a club championship. Or, you know, just, you know, playing up against your friends, you know, on Saturdays or Sundays. Par Bar was developed by a lifelong golfer and food scientist to help all golfers play their best. Go to parbargolf.com and order yours today. And, folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by the PGA Tour Superstore. You're listening to Next on the Tee, available as a podcast on TuneIn and Podbean. Let's get back to Chris and more of the show. And folks, I want to remind you about one one of the great things that you know the PGA Tour Superstore is doing right now. They are they are sponsoring a virtual nine hole golf tournament series, and they invite golfers to play the country's most popular and famous golf courses in a fun, affordable, and convenient manner. Over the next four weeks, they are holding indoor nine-hole tournaments, which include virtual competitions on top golf courses from around the country. Each week, a new nine-hole tournament format is going to be introduced with up to $200 in weekly prizes for tournaments and contest winners. They will also feature a closest-to-the-hole contest. Entry per tournament is $19.99. For more information and to register for the virtual golf tournament, go online to PGATourSuperstore.com. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Scott Felix. Scott has, you know, for the you know, last 20 years or so, been one of the top club fitters and repair guys in the, you know, in the industry. He's been working with guys like Lauren Roberts, Casey Wittenberg, our good friends, Sean McKeel and Tom Stickney Jr. Scott has been named a top 100 club fitter by Golf Digest, Callaway, Mizuno, and Ping, and I'm excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Scott, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, Scott. How have you been, my friend? I'm doing great, enjoying this uh, little cooler weather, starting to get fall, starting to cool off a little bit, enjoying that. Well, Scott, before we start getting getting into more you know information about club fitting i wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of things going on around the pga tour this season i don't know about you it's hard for me to wrap my head around you know the fact that the new tour season has already started this wrap around season that we have now in the pga tour does it you know to your point it's starting to feel like fall right so we start to think you know hey you know the season's over we're starting to look towards next season and that sort of thing you know does it feel like a new season started to you what do you feel what do you think about the PGA Tour wraparound season? You know, I think it's a little different. You know, we've been so used to everything ends, 
there's a little bit of a break, and then the news of the season starts back up. Uh, the tournament of champions, you know, the beginning of the year. Uh, that's what, in my mind, when that comes back around, that's the first event mentally I think about is the first event for, you know, the next season. Um, it's good that golf is still going on, even though it's very difficult for it to compete with uh, football. Uh, but it's good that they still have it have a figured out a way to to keep it going in the slower months, keep people interested and uh, excited about the game. And Scott, you know, as I mentioned a moment ago in your intro, you're working, you work with guys like Lauren Roberts, Casey Wittenberg, our good friend, Sean McKeel, who's been so good to us on this show, Tom Stickney, who's been on the show as well. Talk about, you know, working with those guys. What, what are some of the things that, you know, are, you know, are common about what, you know, you're working on with those guys. Talk about tuning up their games and getting them ready for, you know, I guess, you know, the, the new season, which has already started. You know, every year, every Every manufacturer is coming out with new products. They're coming out with a new driver, new fairway wood, hybrid. Could be irons this year. Could be wedges. It could be anything. Uh, and depending on the manufacturer that they're sponsored by or have a or contractual with, um, you know, they want to try the new product out, see if it actually fits in their game, if it's going to be better than what they currently already have gaming. And um, we try to tweak little areas to always, you know, look for ways to improve. How can we get better than we were last year? You know, what holes do we have last year? Where where did we struggle a little bit? Did we, um, you know, was our long game good enough going into longer par threes or shorter par fives that you could go to and two? You know, what are the areas that we could really tighten up and, and maybe get a different club? And did that manufacturer that they're under contract with come out with that type of product that's actually going to fit their need that next year? So there's several different things that we look at every year just trying to make sure that we're on top. We're not missing any, um, any advantages of stuff that's coming out, you know, especially when it comes to shafts and technology of things being counterbalanced or launching higher or how's the new golf ball performing, looking at different inserts and faces on putters. Um, it could be several different things from player to player. It's all over the board. You never know what one guy is going to want to address versus another guy. If I had Lauren and Sean, um, uh, Casey all coming in the same day, we might work on stuff that is completely opposite from each one of them, the things that they want to look at. So when you're working with those guys and, and, you know, you're right, you, boy, it seems like, you know, the equipment companies are coming out with things, you know, on a semi-monthly basis, something that's new or different is going to perform better. Do you go back, are you looking at benchmarks, you know, for each one of these guys and, you know, maybe someone sent you a new shaft or a new face or whatever that might be and say, you know what, Sean, I, I got this thing. And I think it's going to really help, you know, your game be better. Let's come, you know, come in. Let's give that a try. Let's see if we can't get five or ten more yards out of this club or that. Well, you know, I guess the best way to think about it is just like the average person when they come in. The first, the most important part of any fitting is the very first conversation you have with that person. Tell me about your game. What's going on? What issues are you having? What would you like to try to make better? Um, and just listen to them, and, and they're going to tell you. They're going to give you a lot of feedback because you're only seeing a small window of time when they're in front of you. You know, you're not out there playing with them every week. You don't know what they're doing on weekends. You're not doing what they're doing on, under the gun, you know, playing with their buddies. But, you know, when I'm around Sean 
or Lauren or Casey, there's always a certain thing that they're always trying to address. There's always something in the conversation that you're always paying attention to. And if something pops up or I hear of something or something comes in or one of the companies were talking about something, you know, I'll go, hey, send me one of those. And I might call Sean and go, Sean, I got you something in. I want you to try it. I think it's perfect. Something we've been talking about for a while. We haven't been able to figure that part out or get it exactly the way we want to get it. And I think this is going to fit that little hole that we're trying to take care of. And Scott, you know, to that end, right, has something come along this year that you're excited about or is something, you know, has someone reached out to you, one of the manufacturers that told you about something that's on the horizon that you've heard about that you're excited about? Is there something that has come in this year that you go, boy, you know what, that was great? You know, every manufacturer, they've got one or two products that are really, really performing really well this year. I know Callaway has absolutely killed it with the Epic Driver and Fairway Woods. They've done phenomenal with those. Uh, the Apex Irons have been great. Um, Tylus just came out with the 918 line. I've done really well with the AP1. Um, that club has done phenomenal testing. Um, Mizuno has done great with their two. Uh, new series of the JPX 900 line and now the MP18 line, how they're actually trying to streamline things and make things kind of flow a little bit better together for certain type players. Um, Ping with the G400 irons and the, and the driver, they've made that driver a little smaller. It's a little hotter. They fix the acoustics of that driver. So it sounds a lot better. Uh, it's been competing a lot with the, with the uh, Epic driver. And the M2 has been another great driver this year. Um, so there's little things from each company that kind of keeps you going. Um, Tiles with the uh, the new uh, their new hybrid's been really performing really well. It's been phenomenal. It's been a it's been a good addition to this um, new line that's just come out this fall. And Scott, you mentioned a moment ago the the Callaway Epic driver, and that certainly has generated. A lot of buzz this year. Our friend Bob Friend Jr. came here on the show and talked about how he switched, and with no changes to his swing, he immediately gained eight to ten yards off the tee. Have you seen that play out with other folks? Is it really that much longer than uh, some of the other drivers out there? Yes, it is. It is consistently performed with almost everybody that's come in and hit it. It's actually gotten their ball speed up. You know, it's picked up distance right off the bat without changing, you know, changing their club head speed, the ball speed has gone up. When the ball speed goes up, distance goes up. It's launching the ball at the right angles. Um, it's it's spinning a little bit less. And so it's launching great, spinning less, coming out of the air at the right angle, and people are just picking up more yards because they're not swinging any faster. But that face, the way that it, they did that jailbreak technology, has got that ball coming off a few miles an hour hotter than other drivers on the market. And Scott, you know, we, we hear so much, you know, about all the different data points, right? And you can go in, you know, to, you know, the PGA Tour Superstore, you can go into their, their simulators and you can get lots of different information. You know, our friends at Kinetic Sports, we're getting a lot of new information about, you know, all the different, you know, things with respect to our swings. Talk about, you know, what those are, you know, particularly, you know, launch angle. What launch angle should we be looking for? Is it different? You know, depending on the, you know, the uh, 
um, the, the driver that we're using, whether it's a, you know, a 10 and a half degree or a 12 degree, you know, driver, talk about launch angles and smash factor. We hear about smash factor. What is that? Smash factor is how efficient you're actually hitting the golf ball in the center of the face. And the higher the number is, your ball speed should be basically one and a half times what your club head speed should be. So if you're a hundred miles an hour club head speed, your ball speed should be 150. Um, anything below that, what comes into play is you're either hitting two down on it, the face is too open, you're wiping across the golf ball, you're throwing it and the ball sliding up the face. There could be several different factors of what's going on to make you not as efficient as you could be based on your, uh, your speed. So those are one of the things that you really, really want to look at. Um, me personally, I don't really take in consideration a launch angle. Um, that's the first half of the, the way the ball's launching, I look more at apex, the height of the golf ball, and how it's coming out of the air. Because there's no way that you can actually get the golf ball at the correct maximum apex based on their speed, and it launched in the beginning the wrong way. There's no way it can happen. So as long as the apex is where it needs to be and it's coming out of the air correctly with the correct amount of spin, the front half will take care of itself. So that's those are the most important things to me. And all that's based off of, of club head speed. At a certain speed, at a certain height, and a certain spin rate, that ball will look like it's going out and not rising, trying to balloon if it has too much spin. Or if it's not spinning enough, you'll see it looks like somebody's pushing the ball out of the air is trying to fall. So trying to dial in all those factors of what kind of CG, loft, shaft, if that shaft's trying to add a little spin, take some spin off, um, if you need to move the weight more in the front with that epic driver to knock some spin off or throw it in the back to create a little bit, a little bit better launch in that sub-zero head. It's just dialing in all those different factors based on what that particular player is doing at the speed that they can create. And that's the key. So is it different? For different players, right? You know, for for we amateurs, right? When we are when we're in the simulators, you know, what should we be looking for? What should our spin rate be, and what should I expect? Whether I, you know, I'm 52 years old. You know, my father is 74 years old. Should we be looking for different apexes based on our age and swing speed? Should we be looking for different spin rates, you know, off our driver faces and that sort of thing? What? How do we know if we're okay or if we got, you know, we got a problem? It's all based off of club head speed. It really is. I have I have younger kids that swing faster. I have older people that swing faster. I have people that are in their 30s and 40s that don't swing as fast, even though they look more athletic than the 65-year-old gentleman that came in that was swinging 104 miles an hour. But he bought a senior flex driver at a local golf shop thinking that he needed a senior flex just because he was in his 60s which was not even the case at all. He couldn't control it. The ball was going all over the place. It was spinning too much. And we actually got him dialed into a better law, a better shaft, a better weight, and he picked up 25 yards. So if you look at club head speed, you take the PGA Tour. Average club head speed with a driver is 113 miles an hour. Their average apex for a driver is 96 feet. You go to the LPGA, the average driver speed is 96 miles an hour. Their average apex is 75 feet in the air. So depending upon the speed is what angle and what apex that you can actually hit that golf ball. 
And the best analogy to think about is, is taking a water hose. And if you had it on 100%, you could probably hold that water hose a little higher in the air. And it's going to carry a little bit more and still round over. And when it hits the ground, it's going to still splash forward. If you start dialing that dial, uh, the water hose down to about 60%, you start having to lower that water hose or that angle that you're holding it. So it's still going out, but when it lands, it's going to, it's going to bound and go forward. That's the easiest way to kind of really think about that. There's no way that you could hold a water hose that's on 100% and 60% at the same angle and think that you're going to maximize the distance carry and roll out. There's no way. And Scott, I think one of the things that's unique about you is when people come in to get fit, right? You know, if I, like my son, who's a junior golfer, right? If I brought my son into you and said, you know, hey, Scott, you know, we need to get my son, Jonathan here fit for a, you know, for a set of golf clubs, right? You, I mean, as I said in your intro, you know, you, you handle Callaway, you handle Mizuno, you handle Ping, you handle, you know, all these different brands, right? What you're looking for is what's right for that golfer. You're not looking for, hey, I'm a, I'm a Callaway guy and I'm going to fit you with a set of Callaway golf clubs, you know, come hell or high water here. So let me see which, you know, which version of the Callaway golf, golf club is best for you. You're looking for what is best for that individual player, right? Exactly right. It's what that player needs. What what does that person need? Does he need to hit a little higher? Does he need to hit a little lower? Does he have trouble drawing the golf ball? You know, what is it or why is he doing that? Figuring out the root of the problem and figure out why we're getting the results that we're getting. The one thing that I love about my facility is having that big roll-up bay door that not only can we see ball flight, but we can verify numbers. You're just not hitting something and going, yeah, I like that. That's perfect. Well, that person that's standing in front of you getting fit and spending money on these clubs can see that one's definitely going further than another or hitting the ball a little higher or the shot pattern's a little tighter even when they miss it. So I think that puts a little added comfort level to the person when you're fitting them. Not only do the numbers from TrackMan verify what we're doing, they can actually verify it by seeing ball flight as well. Scott, when it comes to wedges, there are a lot of different wedge grinds now available. Talk about what that means. You know, how do we know what type of grind is best for our game? Grinds are basically how the sole interacts with the turf is what you're really looking for. And it's whether the camber, which is the front to back, way it's actually curving and sitting on the ground. Um, it's the radius to leading edge. So if you have 10 degrees of bounce, it's basically saying when the sole is touching the ground and the shaft is at 90, the leading edge is 10 degrees off the ground, which you don't hit a hit most wedge shots with the shaft straight up and down. You have forward shaft lean going through the turf, so you're actually taking that bounce out of there. But watching how that particular player, if they're kind of a trapper, or if they have the cut cub face a little shut or hooded, in their back of their stance, you really need to find out if they play in hard or soft conditions. You know, that can determine whether you need more bounce or less bounce. If they're a sweeper of the golf ball or they're a digger driver, different grinds and different soles will do different things based on what that person needs. The one thing that I see most of the time with people is they go in and they just buy a grind that looks cool from the bottom, but it doesn't help them out at all because most people tend to be a little too steep and they don't play enough bounce. When they actually get the correct bounce, that 
golf club, the leading edge will still go on the turf, but it's trying to stay going parallel to the ground, and that golf ball will be able to stay on the face a little bit longer. When the ball can stay on the face a little longer, you're going to get more consistent distances, and the ball is actually going to go flatter. When you get something with not enough bounce, that leading edge, once it starts to hit the ground, it'll start going south. And once it goes south, the golf ball starts sliding up the face. You'll get very inconsistent distances based on turf interaction, and the ball will start to end up shooting up in the air, kind of ballooning and floating on you. So it's very important to take some wedges, find somebody that you're able to take different grinds, and they should all give them to you without showing you what grind is on the bottom and put you in situations that you struggle a little bit in, chipping different areas and give them different grinds and watch how they chip. And once you get the right grind based on what they need, the ball will start even when they miss it a little bit, they'll still have an opportunity to put a putter on it and and get up and down for par. And Scott, you also have a putting lab. So you're also fitting people for, you know, what the right putter is for them. Talk about the steps involved when you're trying to fit someone to the right putter. Putters are very, very particular to each person. Everybody sees different shapes and lines differently from from each individual, how you see things versus how I see them. And I have a laser grid board, which is phenomenal because I can put this mirror on their putter and I can let them set up with different shapes, different lines, forward lines, back lines. And you can start seeing them actually get that putter lined up correctly where they think that they're actually aimed. Um, I had a gentleman this morning that aimed about three to four degrees right on a 10 foot putt. It was absolutely terrible. And we started going through different putters, different things based on what he was needing. And I gave him a different shape with different lines. And even when he lined it up bad, he was only maybe a half degree to the right. But for the most part, he got that thing dialed in every single time aiming where he thought he was aiming. Um, so looking at different putters, getting them different shapes to line up the the ball where they think that they're going. That's the whole key with putting is being able to start on the line that you see. Can't start on that line. It never has a chance. Um, and as you go through that, you start seeing the different ways that they line them up. Then you start looking at what kind of stroke type do they have? You know, do they have a lot of face rotation. Are they more of a straight back, straight through? Do they tend to lag it a little bit more? Do they have a little bit of pop down at the bottom? So you can give them different weights. Uh, different hosel configurations where there it needs to be a little bit more toe hang because they miss it a little bit to the right, or they're straight back and straight through, and they leave it out to the right, so something a little more face balance might keep it online even when they miss it off center a little bit. And then you're dialing in length, trying to get the, their eyes over or hair inside the golf ball. It's kind of my, my favorite. I like it in between the heel of the putter and the center of the putter. It's kind of the, the area I, I like most people to have their eyes over the golf ball when they're putting um, and then just kind of watching what they do with their little mannerisms and, and just trying to clean up all the little areas that you can with grip size. If you need to quieten their hands down a little bit, go to a little bit thicker, a thicker grip. If you have a guy that has trouble releasing the putter and you've got all the variables right from style, neck alignment and all that, you might want to go with a little bit um, smaller grip to help them release that putter, putter face a little bit more and get through the golf ball. So it's really unique to each individual and trying to break down each little part. And the key is, like I said in the very beginning, is listen to that person, 
listen to what their struggles are. What are they, what are they trying to fix? Why do they think that they're having the issues that they're having? And then watching them and being able to read that and what they're doing and listen to them at the same time, then you can kind of solve both of those issues in one. So Scott, is, is there a, you you talk about keys and stuff like that. Is there a key for us to know, you know, when, when we're missing, whatever, whichever direction is right, left, however, right. Is there a way for us to know is we've got a swing problem or we've got an equipment problem? You know, that's, that's where you have to go see somebody. That's truly where you have to go see somebody. Um, I think that the key is at minimum is go see somebody, a, a, a good club fitter, just to go see, go, look, I, I want you, can you look at my clubs just for a minute? Make sure I've got the right lie, loft length, grip size, shaft style. You know, it could be a quick little overview within 30 minutes. Just kind of give them a little bit of evaluation, tell them whether they're off or they need a little bit of help here when you're listening to what their struggles are. And then they, once they feel like all that's correct, just a general nuts and bolts of things, then they can really go get lessons. If you have somebody that has a golf club that's too long, too big of a grip, a flat lie, a shaft that's way too stiff or heavy, and they go to an instructor and they're not able to get the ball in the air or turn it over or hit it consistently, no matter how many lessons, they might get a little better, but they'll never really treat, you know, uh, get to their true potential. Never will. So just being able to give them the reassurance to go, look, we need to make these a little bit more upright. They need to be cut down a half inch. You need a standard size grip. You know, we might be able to get away with a shaft right now. If you don't want to do the whole investment, just do some cleaning up some stuff and then get with somebody from a lesson standpoint. They're going to be a lot happier in the long run than they are over there trying to grind out a lesson with golf clubs that don't work for them from the get-go. When they're trying to go right and they're trying to make them go left, they're just, it's a constant battle all day long. Scott, you, you're such a wealth of knowledge and you do such a great job getting people into the equipment that they need to, you know, to improve their games. Let our listeners a reminder, how can they check out all the great services that you provide and how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing, whether it's online or over social media? The best way to get, get a hold of me or check out everything that I'm doing is to get online and go to FelixClubWorks.com. And there's, there's tabs to get a hold of my Twitter and Facebook um, pages and keep up with me that way. Scott, I, you know, again, I can't thank you enough for coming back on the show because I think so much of what, you know, you provide and the knowledge that you provide and the things that you do are things that, you know, our listeners need, you know, constant reminders about because to your point, I think we, you know, we either do a couple of things that we shouldn't do. We either go buy golf clubs off the rack and hope that they work out for us. Or to your point a moment ago, we're running back trying to get lessons all the time, and we may be compensating with lessons for equipment that's never going to get us to where we want to get. So, you know, you're you're coming back on the show reminding folks about that and why it's so important. Like you've said many times on this show, it's more important for high handicappers to go get fit for their clubs than it is for touring pros, right? Exactly right. You know, I was going to make that one little last comment is that, you know, forever – I've been doing this for almost 25 years, but you hear more and more people say, I'm not good enough to get fit. You're not good enough not to get fit. A tour player can figure it out. For somebody that needs help, you want something that's going to help you out. It's 
going to help you hit it in the air. It's going to help you hit that draw instead of that big slice. Some of it's going to try to work with you and, and make you enjoy the game a little bit more and maybe free you up where you're not feeling like you're having to steer it around the golf course and not knowing how to aim or where you're going to go when you're on the tee box going, hey, it, it could go either way, and you don't know why it's doing that. So um, really going in there and just taking a minute, it's not – it's not as it to get custom golf clubs. All these companies nowadays have so many different shaft options at no upcharge. And so you're not paying any more for different shafts, different heads, all those combinations. A lot of grips are no upcharge now and get them longer or shorter or stiffer or tip more or whatever kind of wraps or flat or upright. They're not charging you. So as much as you would have paid going to get them right off the rack, you could have gone to somebody, pay them a consulting fee to really understand what you need and buy them that way you're going to be a thousand times happier than you are just you know doing the inevitable merry-go-round of you know never finding something you like and you don't know why and scott just so our listeners can get a feel for where you're at you're you're just outside of memphis right so folks in and around the memphis area the mid-south area can come visit you and take a look at uh you know all the great things that you're doing at your facility right Yes, sir. My, my office is at Spring Creek Ranch in Carterville, Tennessee, on the north side of the practice facility. We have an a unbelievable golf academy back there with cabins. We have tons of people that fly in, come and stay for the weekend, play, get fit, get lessons, have a blast and fly out. We, we stay booked constantly back there. So talk about that again. So you've got cabins now available for people to come in and spend some time? Absolutely. We We just opened up a new cabin. About four months ago, we've we've done so well with the other cabins that we have. So we have the ability to have 16 people stay on site. Um, Outdoor kitchens, you know, screened-in areas, fire pits, cool little chipping area in the back that's lit up that people can go play and goof off at night. We have heated, lighted bays that you can practice on your game, even in the dark if you want to. Um, But we have people coming in every week. We, we did so well with the first cabin that we had this other cabin that's getting rented out left and right now as well. Wow. that's That sounds like an amazing experience. We, You and I need to talk about that because I've got some folks that need to come get fit for some golf clubs. So hopefully we can work something out. We'll get in there and uh, and spend some time with you because it's uh, it sounds like an amazing experience. And, and getting fit by you and getting the right clubs and, and helping, you know, like I say, my son who's a junior player, you know, playing for his high school team. And uh, my father, like I say, 74 years old, you know, playing uh, as often as he does and in my game and then other folks that uh, I think could be, you know, you could be a huge benefit for so thank you for mentioning that hopefully again can they find where can they find out more information about the stay and play packages they get there's a link off of my website off of felixclubworks.com there's a link that'll take you where you can shoot an email the people that handle all the cabin stays they can get in contact with them send them take care of them whatever dates times and uh, get them taken care of Ah, that's fantastic. Scott, thank you so much for coming back on the show again tonight. Uh, hopefully you'll come back and join us again real soon because the information you provide is invaluable for folks looking to improve their games. Thanks so much for uh, for your partnership, and thanks for your time again tonight, Scott. Thank you, Chris. Have a great night. All right, you do the same. Again, FelixClubWorks.com is uh, is Scott's site. Again, you know, you want to talk about the best fitter in the in in the business, and a guy that's going to get you set up with the right clubs that's going to help improve your game immediately. 
you need to go check them out online. All right, folks, before we close up shop, you know how like we like to uh, remind you about uh, the Salute Military Golf Association and the great work that Jim Estes is doing. Let's hear a word from Jim about what they do. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Yeah, folks, Jim and his team are doing amazing things there at the Salute Military Golf Association. To find out more information and to see how you can get involved, go to smga.org. All right, folks, it's time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks again to Rich O'Brien and Scott Felix for joining me tonight. I hope you enjoyed the show as well. Give me your thoughts. Check out our page on Facebook, Next on the Team with Chris Mascaro. Plus, if you've got a question, for one of our future guests or someone who has been on the show with us previously, let us know. Give us a comment. We'll be glad to get that question answered for you. You can check out who some of our future guests are going to be by going on online to our website, nextonthetea.net. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host, Bob Lazeri. That show, that show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can stream it live on Blog Talk Radio, but you know that show like this one, also available as a free podcast as well by going on to our great friends over at Podbean. Can't thank those folks enough for featuring our show in the sports and recreation section. If you love podcasts, folks, across every genre, please go check them out online. They've got so many great podcasts available for you. You can go online to podbean.com or download their app as well. Great stuff on both of those places. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we are joined every week by five NFL legends sharing their stories and their insights from their playing days, plus what's going on around the league today. Plus, we also highlight two players doing great things in their communities every week and our spotlight on the positive segment. Again, you can find both shows online, this show at nextonthetea.net or thursdaynighttailgate.com. And from both sites, you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free as well. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to this show today. We know you've got thousands of shows and podcasts to stream. We really appreciate the fact that you're making Next on the T one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. been listening to Next on the T with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Tuesday to hear more stories about the game we love from people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf.